Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now on Food FM, you're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. Caroline and her guests make sense of the world through food. From politics to farming, making and cooking. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Hello, I'm Caroline Kenyon and it's my great pleasure today to welcome to Bread and Butter, my own show, Phil Juma of Juma's Kitchen, which celebrates Iraqi food at Borough Market. Phil, lovely to have you with us today. Hello, good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So, Phil, let's just go back a little bit in your your family history. I know that the Iraqi side of your family is on your father's, is that correct? Yeah, correct. My dad's from uh, the north of Iraq, from Mosul, and mum is English-Irish. I'm Irish uh, grandmother, so yeah, a nice mix growing up, I have to say. What a wonderful combination. So tell us a little about your father's journey from northern Iraq to England. Yeah, he he was he was based in between Mosul and Baghdad. Baghdad was where he studied and he spent a lot of his teenage years and it wasn't until 71 that he he left Iraq and as a young 19-year-old, I believe, came to London, obviously loved it, had to go back for military service, and then after that, seventy three, he um, he didn't go back. It was it was it was London forever. And obviously, he's seen so much and felt so much through through the television screen, really, of of of, of his country. You know, really decimated and 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 gone from such a such a beautiful, rich, like unbelievably like misunderstood place for for Western audiences. Like they had everything there. And and obviously to see what happened over the over the course of twenty thirty years, yeah, it's, it's obviously been been a lot of trauma and a lot of difficulty for him. So, um, but yeah, he hasn't been back since. He hasn't been back since, Phil. Goodness, and I presume that you've still got a lot of family there. No, 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 no. We everyone left. Everyone left. So, obviously, everything that has gone on there. But before even ISIS came and anything like that, we left and the, the, the Jamaa families on all corners of the planet, Canada, New Zealand, America, Europe, obviously London. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we're around, put it that way. Goodness. So d- tell me, uh, Phil, what, what part did food play in all of this? Was your father involved in the world of food? No, not at all. <laughs> um, food, food was really just like for me growing up in London. It was really something that was 
that was so special and so unique. But at the time when I was that young, I guess I, I, I not even I guess I didn't appreciate it. I, I really just you know scoffed it down me, and it was normal. It was just it was the norm. And it wasn't until I grew older and grew up that I was like, wow, like this cuisine isn't around. And 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 Dad's background was never like a chef or anything like that. He just you know cooked his incredible biryani, his incredible dolma. All these sort of flagship dishes that we we had growing up, he he just he absolutely knocked it out of the park with them. And yeah, like it wasn't like, again like until later in life that I was like, these dishes are absolutely incredible, and they're nowhere to be seen on the London food scene. And- I can imagine. So, but he must have been unusual as as a you know a man, a father then d- doing the cooking. Was he d- was he? Doing the lion's share of the <laughs> the stereotypes are coming out now. Yeah, he, exactly. he <laughs> mum, mum obviously didn't know the dishes, so it was left to him if he wanted comfort and he wanted a taste of home. My mum's not from that world, so did, she didn't understand the spicing or all the dishes because they're very intricate and it's you know, some of the dishes if you don't know that they're, they're difficult. So yeah, it was left up to him. So I think automatically. He, he took took on that role. Don't get me wrong. This I don't want to paint this picture that he was in the kitchen as this like father cooking, cooking dishes every night. That the lion's share was on mum. But yeah, when it came to the banquet and the big ones, the big nights where we had guests over or we had a special occasion, yeah, dad dad would definitely take charge and and, and pull out pull out the bangers, should we say? That's so interesting, Phil. And you've used two words which I think really stand out and. One is comfort and the other one mm. is home. And I mm. think that's that's what food does for us. It just kind of, it's a bit like music. It sort of works on our mind and our our, our soul in, in, in such an immediate and, and kind of emotional way, doesn't it? Mm. No, it really does. And on my journey of, of celebrating Iraqi cuisine to, to Londoners, to the masses, and further afield in Europe as well, like it takes people places and it's so pure and it's, it's unquestionable. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, when it comes to religion or race or ethnicity or whatever labels life has put on everyone these days, like just food is just this undeniable neutral vehicle that just brings us all together and it and it's yeah it's just so pure it, it takes pl- people places and it's it's a beautiful thing oh i completely agree so tell me tell me there's there's little phil uh growing up in london eating this amazing food which was different from what his schoolmates were was eating were eating at home when did you start to think that the world of food was something that you might like to go into professionally um so fast forward from little phil i've 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 gone to uni in leeds and cooking was a real big part of of you know being away from home because you, you know you gotta you gotta cook you gotta you gotta you gotta live without without those family comforts so there were seeds planted then of of really enjoying cooking and and, and loving kind of cooking with nice ingredients and also ringing dad to be like, oh, I want to make barmia tonight. Like, what do I do? And and those little little snippets were definitely like moments where I learned a lot about the dish. And you know, obviously, not having someone standing over you and showing you, you kind of had to learn from errors and and learn through just just communication. And and obviously, my, if you know my dad, he's got quite a short fuse. So the more questions I was asking, the more the more triggered he was getting. So I had to I had to learn quickly. 
yeah it was it was a real real beautiful thing cooking some dishes throughout my university like years and then but i studied economics so i went into the world of finance after i left university and i was in that world for about six years during that time the financial downturn happened and it was a real difficult period to be in that sector um, morals were being questioned my own ethics and values as a person were questioned just being in an environment that that just i don't think it was me it, it wasn't truly me but all the while food was a real consistent calling in the background i'd i'd, I'd work at friends street food stalls because at that time london was going through an amazing street food street food craze and I'd, I'd, I'd just pick up shifts and again like those were real real powerful seeds that were planted of like i, I love this and where's iraqi food iraqi food has its place amongst this whole movement right now i'm seeing afghani food i'm seeing nigerian food i'm seeing kimchi burgers being with a queue that's 60 deep and i'm like wow no like i know iraqi cuisine has its place and again like these were these were seeds that were planted and it was if i can fast forward 2013 i'd left finance and i decided to host my first iraqi supper club and i just went how exciting and so can you remember the the light bulb moment and and where where you held it and what you said yeah yeah no, vividly i um yeah it was a small very intimate cafe in south wimbledon and um i'd always go in there anywhere as a customer and i was always every time they'd like close their doors at like three o'clock so i'd always see like okay the evening they're not doing anything and i just asked the owner howard at the time just well, like would you let me take it over for one night and he was he was amazing. He was he was he was all he was he was loving it. He was loving it more than me. Like the thought of having you know a sellout night in a venue that you know would normally be closed. I think he was getting more customers on the back of that, and and obviously more faces would be coming coming to his establishment. And I'd obviously run the food and take charge. And and back then, you know, I wasn't the, the cooking wasn't great. There was just a hell of a lot of passion and drive to just showcase this incredible cuisine. And yeah, like I sold it. Out out, friends and family came down and it was it was it was a moment that I'll never forget because it was yeah it was a, a real a real light bulb or, or just a switch in me to be like I really want this and I, and I, and I feel I can do this how wonderful so transformational it's really interesting hearing you say about sort of you know being in the world of finance and feeling like a square peg in a round hole I mean I I've heard that a number of times and I think it's so important isn't it to feel that you are in the right ethical setting and if you're not it's just going to make you really unhappy yeah 100 percent. and it's worth highlighting as well that you know this wasn't to the support of my mum or my dad you know like I'm leaving like solid income well-paid job you know your parents they just want consistency and 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 and, and a, a level you know a, a level playing field for their, for their children right and for me happiness was was number one like i was i wanted to be happy and yeah it's um it's worth saying as well that this decision wasn't met with you know open arms and and, and welcomed by my mum or my dad like i'm, I'm leaving a an established company, a very well paid, very well paid corporate job, and you know I'm, I'm I'm leaving that for a very like unsafe and entrepreneurial route that really didn't have the I didn't I didn't have a plan. I just knew I wanted to be putting this cuisine out there. I wanted to cook. 
I wanted to learn how to cook because, you know, I, I didn't know how to cook at this stage. I just knew a couple of dishes and that was it. So it was a real vulnerable moment. There was a lot of internal fights going on and to come out the other side was was really special. And, and again, like fast forward to now, mum and dad are super proud like and happy. But back then it wasn't it wasn't easy. I can really identify with that. I mean, I, I trained as a lawyer and then I gave it up to be a a journalist and a magazine editor and all the things that I do now which is lots of different things and uh, I remember my parents were anxious I do completely mm. get that they, you know and, and I'm a parent myself you just you just want your children to be safe don't you of course it's a very kind of simple understandable desire but once you'd made that decision Phil did you just feel really liberated financially was very it was very, very tough. Like the liberation, no, at that time, I'm going to say no. It was more, I had to now figure out how to create a career out of this. And it wasn't like this, I don't know, this this dream of like Juma, Juma Kitchen is going to be this. Like I, I still needed to learn how to cook. So I was I was taking on so many jobs, whether it be, you know, a, a kind of like, support chef chopping vegetables at catering companies just getting freelance hourly rate money or a couple of years down the line i was sent to the south of france to be a private chef for a family and i just thought like, i'm not i can't do this i'm not good enough for this but uh, that's where the real growth is like you know you, you just really got to show up and put yourself out there and dig deep and yeah i look back now it's, it was just perfect training for me because i learned so much i, I didn't do culinary school it was it was just learning from from restaurants doing stages and different kitchens and again like the money wasn't coming in so like again mum and dad were just like what are you doing like what are you doing like this is not this is not good for you and obviously i'm tired i'm doing silly hours so yeah i wouldn't say the liberation happened just yet i think the the the, the real the real special moments happened later on and it, and it took a long a lot of a lot of hard work to get to get to that point i completely get that i mean i have taken an entrepreneurial journey myself and i would say it takes a decade to establish yourself and to feel confident of what you're doing i think it's um you know the do you know the writer malcolm gladwell and he has yeah. a theory of ten thousand hours and ten thousand hours is 10 years wow okay no that's, that's yeah imposter syndrome thing as well mm, mm. it's so interesting you say that because yeah, from the moment, so I did the first pop-up in 2013, and so 10 years will take us to next year, 2023, and I often say to myself, I should be further ahead, I should I should, I should, should be doing more, but I also remind myself that, like, Juma is a, just an independently owned business, like, we're not, we haven't got, you know, private money or anything like that, it's just, it's just my money being pumped into this sort of baby that I've got. And yeah, and I think with that comes a lot more confidence because it's it's really, you want, you just understand every facet of your business and all the areas. And of course, I'd like to be further, let's say, along my career and doing more and have more set up. But at the same time, the organic route, the honest route is, is, is something that, I don't know, like I, you can't buy that. And, and I think, yeah, hitting the 10-year mark next year, it'll be so interesting to see where the business is because it'll be such a, an incredible milestone. I think also you're building really stable building blocks. I think when things are an overnight success, they're often very unstable. You know, no, if you have a yeah. meteoric 
success, then it's it can disappear as fast as it came. 100%. Yeah, totally agree with that. Now, Phil, I know you had a really exciting trip recently. And I think it was for the very first time you actually went to Iraq. Yeah. Tell me about how that came to be and what it meant to you. I'd always like, especially the last three years, the brand was growing the way it was and the response from the London public was, was, was just incredible for Iraqi food. I always wanted to go back to not only from a culinary sense, but also from a just just from a from a from a heartfelt like this is part of me. Like this is this is my dad, this is part of my family, and I have not experienced you know, a thing really. I've only lived it through my dad's eyes. I've lived it through media. I've lived it through music, through art, through the food, but actually going to Baghdad and, and just seeing and feeling and smelling it, there was a yearning there for such a long time. And every time I, I pr- approached it with my dad, it was it was met with like, you know, real arguments. Like he just, he wasn't having any of it. Just, Did you think it would be dangerous for you? Yeah, dangerous. Um, what, what do you, you know? What do you want to go there for? Like Iraq's finished. Like I've I've had that rhetoric like pumped into me. Iraq is finished. Like since I was a baby, you know. Mm-hmm. Yet, like here, here I am celebrating the, the the cuisine on on. I've gone all in on it, and and obviously mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally not listening to that. But, you know, that's trauma talking. You know, I, again, I haven't lived through what he's seen and felt and, 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 and gone through. So I, I, I understand it, but I actually also don't understand it because I haven't lived through it. But I get that where he's coming from and why he's saying that, but it's not something I agree with. Yeah, it just came, it came to like last year, weirdly in January, I, I got my... I got all my t- tickets and back then you needed a visa to get into Iraq. So I got my visa sorted and then COVID stopped us. So I was like, ah, oh, like, that was my opportunity missed. And then this year, come back to January again. And um, a client who I cook for, he has a lot of business in Iraq and he was like, come with us. So we were, we were all kind of teed up to go. And um, while I was organizing that a friend of mine weirdly was flying at the same time so i was like you know let's meet when we're out there kind of long story short the original guy who i cooked for he he didn't go to iraq he basically had to go early he, he was already there when i when i said like are we going or what's happening so i messaged my other friend saying i'm not going to be able to meet you out there iraq's not going to happen for me and he was like come come with me and my mum." it was on my birthday january the 8th i was like you know what there's going to be no time that is the right time or the good time. Like I'm just going to do this. So there and then I booked my flight to go with him and his mum. And the trip was like life changing on so many levels because it, it was yeah. It, I, I shared so much of this quite publicly on, on my social media channels on Instagram. But you know, Iraq was an an, an imaginative place. It wasn't real for me it was it was lived through so many let's say secondary things i hadn't done seen and smelled it myself so to do that was just so special for me and quite sadly though like the baghdad that i saw wasn't my dad's baghdad wasn't any of my elders baghdad all the people that have fled and and, and become you know part of the london community or worldwide community the diaspora worldwide you know, the Baghdad that I'm talking about isn't their one. 
there was still this huge missing, if you like. But to just go there and 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 to be be part of it and to just be part of my upbringing and oh, it was I can't put it into words. It was so I so. Do understand. I understand. I can imagine that it made you feel complete. Yeah. Oh, there's, and there's an inner calm. There's an inner like yeah, complete is a is a great word. And there's just an inner calmness now. Like there's a real sense of like my head isn't swirling in in what ifs or how is it or what how is that or what do they do and like i just i've seen it now i can i can relate to every single photo or instagram story or post that people post now of walking the streets of baghdad because it's like yes i know where that is or i just yeah i'm not i'm not putting together the pieces of the puzzle anymore I mean, obviously, it was it was a trip on on so many levels. I mean, deeply, deeply emotional. But professionally, how did you find it? I mean, did you did you know where to go and eat, or who to go and talk to, or where to you not, know which markets to go to? Tell tell us about that side of things. Yeah, not not at all. I like, I don't speak Arabic, so my 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 you know my communication out there was limited. And yeah, I, I was I was really a guest. I was a guest for my friend who generously invited me and. I wasn't really like, I just wanted to just, the first time going, I just wanted to let Baghdad take care of me. I didn't want to sort of dictate, we need to go here or we need to go, you know, there was there were certain monuments and, and, and iconic buildings that I wanted to see, but culinary wise, I just wanted to kind of like let it flow. And we met more and more people out there who were, who were so generous with their time and finding out that I'm a chef in London, they were just we need to take him here or we need to, you know, the Iraqi hospitality was just alive and kicking and just so pure and loving. And, oh, it was just, it was just amazing. Like some of the, some of the places we went to were so special and yeah, food is obviously a huge part of the, of the country and the culture. So to be part of it, I Tell came us about back. some of the, the meals that you had and where you went. So there was a, a real, the, the, the biggest standout was the, the Iraqi breakfast, Kahi and Girma. And this is a this is a a milk that is produced um, a cream sorry that is produced from buffalo milk and it's the water buffaloes in the south in Basra and I'd always heard about you've got to try the gamma when you're in Iraq like it's just different level and I'm dairy and, and, and egg free here in London I don't have any dairy in my life so but weirdly I can have buffalo milk when I've done my tests so obviously I'm like ready to just go all in on this. And we went to this this place that, you know, in the mornings has a queue going around the block for breakfast. And um, we actually arrived at like 11.30, so it was pretty much empty. And honestly, it was it was the most beautiful tasting cream I've ever had. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've been to Michelin-starred restaurants. I've, I've dined in some pretty fancy places and also not so fancy in London. And this cream could easily have its place in any London restaurant scene in London. And the other dish that we had was um, a dish called kubba, kubba sarai. And um, I'm not sure um, if you know much about what I do in London, but I, I have a, uh, a, a stall at Borough Market celebrating Iraqi kubba, which is basically handmade dumplings. We also do a charcoal menu, but our signature dishes are the kubbas, the dumplings. And lots of people told me about this sarai um, dish and it was something I never had growing up. And obviously, if I'm representing Iraqi kubba in London, I, I need to know what's going on. So we went to this uh, this, this establishment that specialized in kubba sarai and it's, oh, it was just the most amazing um dumpling it's like a you could call it a meat pie in a way but it's got this really soft 
texture on the outside of 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 burger and also beef mince and then inside is like lamb onions and spices and it's then just poured up a, a tomato broth gets poured over it oh it was so good so so good and not to mention the bread like the bread is just incredible there and i've opened an iraqi bakery in bara on the back of my trip because i just wanted to bring back some of that incredible inspiration to uh, to the people of london as well Oh, Phil, that sounds absolutely incredible. You've you've just evoked it so vividly. You're making my tummy rattle, and I'm really looking yeah. forward to coming to uh, to sample your restaurant as well. I can't wait. Um, but I just just a couple more things because I know we're running out of time, which is such a shame. But I just want to ask you what what do you hope that people take away from your food in London? It not just that they've enjoyed delicious food, but what what is it about your connection with Iraq, which is half your homeland. Like, I, I really want to deliver like tasty morsels. Like that is like number one. So many people who come through Borough Market, they've only heard about Iraq through the media. It isn't really a, a, a place that is close to them. Unless you like have an Iraqi relative or friend, you're not really going to know much about it. And you've only gone, you're only probably going to go off what you've heard through the news and that hasn't exactly been a been a rosy picture. So I really want people to understand the complexity of the cuisine and culture. And it isn't what people may think it is. It's it's rich, it's vibrant, it's incredibly tasty. Hopefully it humanizes the Iraqi people. It's not they're, you know, son in the Middle East or they're this, they're no, it's what what I find with food, it really strikes a chord in in people understanding human behind it the race behind it the, the identity behind it and i i'm really proud to be representing the country and cuisine on on so many levels but but that is something that really hits home every time i'm at borough you can just see that people come up and that I, I haven't had iraqi food before i don't know what it is like what do you recommend and then we can then we start a conversation and i know like they go off with that plate of food not only hopefully they have an incredible lunch but they've really identified with the culture and through that the people and and i think we can like that's something really powerful and and and, and something i really want to you know cement in in what we do at, at juma kitchen i think that's wonderful phil and i think uh you know sort of we both agree that you know food is the great connector and for so many people just the one word Iraq just you know it symbolizes war and suffering and you know the, the destruction of culture but actually what you're doing is something so positive and so celebratory that it's turning people's perceptions around definitely no no we are we 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 really are and it's yeah it's 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 sad that almost we have to do do you know what i mean it's sad that it's like it has to be that but it's like also that's just the way the world is and again like if you if you don't if you don't know someone who's iraqi or you haven't got anyone who's iraqi in your let's say community you're not going to probably eat the food or understand about you know the culture so um, i'm so grateful to be there at borough um, representing on 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 quite a big stage i really understand that and you know bearing in mind the time at which we're speaking and that you know ukraine is going through such agony and it would appear that um there is a wish 
by Russia to eradicate their own culture. Can you hold up some hope to the Iranian people? Somehow they can save the essence of who they are through their food? Of course. Like, yeah, what, 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 what is going on in Ukraine is catastrophic. And war, war is something that I think through the media... We only see, I think, one side of it. Like we don't, I don't think we ever see that like, the true picture of what's going on. Or really, all we see is that it's the casualties, right, and and the destruction happening to families and and children and everyone. So, well, this goes all over the world. In Palestine, look what's going on there. So, you know, and their their culture, their cuisine also is under threat. So, for, for Ukraine and and places like Palestine, like it's so important to yeah to hold on to things like food and things that bring people closer and have like a real sense of home because you just can't take that away from anyone. That's such a lovely note on which to end our conversation. Phil Juma, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really lovely chat with you. So thanks, thanks again and hopefully see you at Borough Market soon. I look forward to it. You're listening to Bread and Butter with Caroline Kenyon. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.